Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Skin Boss Podcast. I am so super excited to have you. Of course, as always, I'm Courtney Sykes, licensed aesthetics instructor, owner of Southeastern Aesthetics Institute, and nationally accredited aesthetics school in Columbia, South Carolina, and owner and founder of Courtney Sykes Molecular Anti-Aging. So what we're going to talk about today, you guys, is a little bit of questions questions that I get about business ownership. I love helping people in terms of building their LLCs on their own and going ahead and formulating that legal entity that's required in order for you to be in business. So beauty practitioners, I think, tend to oftentimes not hear this enough or they don't get that information when they're in school. Um, Just because you've learned a technical skill doesn't necessarily mean that you understand business acumen and all of that good stuff. So we're going to dive a little bit into that today. I'm super excited about it. So here's what it is, you guys. I'm going to give you a couple of steps towards success, and then we're going to chat a little bit just about some opinions and some tricks that you might want to hold on to as you open your businesses. But when you are formulating a business in the United States, the very first thing, you guys, is to make sure that you, number one, apply with the IRS and create something called a federal tax ID number, okay? Make sure not to register your business entity um, as a sole proprietorship. Make sure you do it as an LLC and here is why, okay? And the website, by the way, is irs.gov. So that's the first thing you want to do. But when you do register your business, you just want to make sure that you are creating an LLC and that way you hire yourself as an employee. The worst thing business owners do is they end up causing an issue where let's say that you uh, put yourself down as a sole proprietorship. You've put your own uh, you know, social security number on the line and that's not a good idea. So with that, you cannot hire employees. With an LLC, you can, okay? So when you do formulate that LLC and have that federal tax ID number, it's also called something um, known as an EIN number, okay? So they're both one and the same. So just make sure that you do understand that and you do want to hire yourself as a W-2 employee of your own company. And I keep repeating that and here is why. When you do not do that, you're going to end up owing taxes rather than paying as you go, okay? So there's benefits to being an employee of your own company. So what you will do is you're going to create an account with some sort of payroll company of your choice. And all of my recommendations are just companies that I truly use myself, no sponsorships or anything like that. But I always recommend ADP. ADP ADP.com is their website. You can literally create a moment where, you know, they will run your payroll. They incur all the costs of any mishap that would happen. Of course, they're good at it, so they're not going to make any issues. But if there's anything that's owed, they're going to take care of it. I remember doing payroll by hand way back in the day in the early 2000s and downloading tax tables and all that kind of stuff. And while I appreciate that I learned that, um, I will tell you, you don't want to do that if your internet does not download tax tables correctly or if you mess up for some sort of human error mistake like people do, you're going to end up owing those taxes and having to pay on it at some point. So it's easier to put on a payroll company. So once you are logged in as a company with ADP or whatever payroll 
company that you love. Okay, that's just my opinion. You will then fill out something called a W-4 form for yourself and then for any future employees. You will keep that in in an HR folder for yourself or for any future employees. Of course, all of this is really important for compliance, okay? That is how you calculate your withholdings. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But when you enter your withholdings, that helps you determine what sort of taxes are going to be withheld from your payroll. And then if you are a W-2 of your uh, employee of your own company, you're going to make sure that the company, the entity, okay, that you've created that federal tax ID number four, that one is going to match your withholding. So that's something I don't think a lot of people understand, but as an employer, you match the withholdings of your employees. And if the employee is you, you're going to match your own withholdings. That is very compliant style. It's a good thing. And the more taxes you pay in, of course, the more return you're going to gain. So that's always a good thing at the beginning of the year. And again, when you fill out the W-4 form, what the benefit is of this entire thing is you will gain a W-2 IRS refund at the beginning of a new fiscal year. So that's how that rolls. They will even send out the W-2s, ADP, the payroll company, to your employees. They will send it to, of course, you if you are an employee of your own company. And then if you have other employees, of course, you will get the copy of that and you will mail it to them or hand it off to them so that they can send it to their accountant for their tax benefits. So it's all a good thing, okay? It just is. So backing up to irs.gov, you're going to start there. Always start largest to smallest when it comes to formulating your business. So federal federal first, okay? Then you're going to apply with your state's Department of Revenue, okay? With your Department of Revenue, the benefit of that is this. You need to get a state withholding number. And your state withholding number is going to help you make sure that your business files its state income taxes, okay, if applicable, all right? So that's important and that's very compliance-wise. So once you have your federal tax ID number from the IRS and then your state withholding number from your Department of Revenue in the state that you have your business in, then you're really in a good spot, okay? From there, you need to do a couple of more things, okay? So the next step is you're going to contact your state's secretary of state. And the secretary of state is who issues you something called your articles of incorporation or your certificate of existence. It's pretty much one and the same. And you need this certificate of existence to be registered as the LLC, the limited liability corporation in your state. Now, typically what will happen is you need all of those items, your federal tax ID number, state withholding number and articles of incorporation, or as sometimes they call it, certificate of existence with the secretary of state. You need those three items in order to then go to a federally 
insured, an FDIC insured bank in order to open up a business bank account, okay? So all these things you can actually do online on your own. You do not have to hire a tax attorney or any sort of an attorney to formulate an LLC for you. I know a lot of people end up doing that, but I think there's something to be said about doing it yourself so you understand the steps involved and you take ownership of that aspect of your business, okay? So that is important. Then, at that point, you don't need to forget one final thing, and that is going to be registering in your county for your business license, okay? So, wherever your business is located or wherever you're doing business out of, and of course, for spas and esthetician entrepreneurs, you're going to operate out of a one location operation. If you decide that you're going to open multiple locations, that is a different story, and you will need to have a business business license in each individual counting for each individual location. But we're just going to say for the sake of this podcast that you have one business that you're opening in one location. So you're going to get a business license. When you originally file for your business license in your county, it typically will not cost you very much. So just expect to spend something like 50 or 60 bucks, okay? Nothing too crazy. But then you need to really remember and do not forget that every year after that, you're going to get a letter in the mail and you're going to end up needing to pay for a renewal on your business license. And that is based on your business earnings. Okay. That is based on your business earnings and that's important to remember. So it is no longer going to be that cheap little thing. It's going to be, you know, a little bit more than that. Of course, hopefully if you are earning uh, or turning a profit rather, so that's good. And then backing up one more moment, if you want to retail products in your salon or spa, you do need to go to your state's department of revenue. That's another thing you can do other than just getting your state withholding number, you can register for a resale certificate, which is how you end up being able to wholesale purchase a lot of your retail products and additionally be able to sell products out of your business. Okay. Now, one thing to remember is to make sure that once you have done all these things and once you've set up a business bank account, you need to make some choices on your accounting software of choice. And you can do a couple of different things. Of course, I have always loved QuickBooks. And that is what I'm going to recommend. There are other things out there and other um, platforms and processes that you can follow. But I will tell you, make sure that you do uh, go with a company that's been around for a while. I love QuickBooks. They have their QuickBooks online feature now, which is a beautiful thing. And you can make sure to do things like, you know, setting up certain items in there that do make sense for your business and making sure that you have your register of accounts and, you know, you can make sure that it ties into your business banking so that you can do your reconciliations very easily or have someone do them for you. And if you have an accountant or a bookkeeper doing your reconciliations for you every month that tie into your bank statements, you just want to make sure that you give them a login and they can, of course, see all that and help you and make sure to tag everything appropriately for tax deduction purposes. So that is a good thing. Okay, so then 
when you do have an accounting software, I do suggest a separate point of sale system that's going to really tie into your everyday business. So meaning your services and your product sales. So backing up to product sales, make sure that you do recognize and always know what your retail taxes are on items. So you charge appropriately. You can definitely uh, register this in your point of sale system. The point of sale system that I love, and again, this is just my opinion. I have, I made so many suggestions for sure, but we use MindBody and I love MindBody for appointment booking. Uh, We use it for a multitude of things. I mean, we really love MindBody, but another one is their retail tab. You can actually set up your products and categorize everything. You can set repurchasing points which is amazing. And of course, you can make sure that the tax tables are correct when people purchase from you so that when you're ringing out a sale or you have someone on your team doing that, it definitely calculates all of that and pulls it into the sale. So then every month, okay, on the business end that you will be dealing with as the owner, you need to make sure that someone, whether it's you or your bookkeeper or an accountant, does these sales tax payments, okay? Sales tax payments are very important and that goes to the Department of Revenue and you can do that online or have someone like an accountant do that for you but when you have an appointment booking system or point of sale system rather that tracks all of that you can pull those reports and easily put in those numbers it you know does your little math equation for you and you can make those payments appropriately so Those are some ins and outs of how to begin. And I will say this because you might have this question. You do not have to charge taxes on services. That is not something you ever want to do. It's actually not okay to do that. So if somebody ever charges you for taxes tacked on to a service, that is not applicable. Okay. And that's not something recognized by any state. So you do not have to do that. All right. So when you're in business, I will tell you, as an esthetician entrepreneur, as a brand new business owner, you need to focus in on something that I do with my students a lot, and it is financial forecasting. Now, I am more than happy to send you some sample math equations because, of course, doing that over podcasting is a little bit difficult, but shoot me an email, info at seaestheticsinstitute.com. I will tell you that financial forecasting is a big deal. I love, love education on all that. So if you have any questions, definitely let me no. But here's what it is. You're going to choose something called an average ticket price for your high-end column and your low-end column. Your average ticket price are, or ticket prices, plural, are two of your best services that you feel like you're going to do the most every single day. So financial forecasting should be based on real numbers. It should be based on things that you plan to do all the time. So the first thing you need to do before you do financial forecasting is make sure to formulate a service menu. Your prices do not need to be too high and they most certainly cannot be too low, but you do need to factor in your area, your demographics, what other people are charging, and take that into account. That should never be your end-all be-all decision-making factors, of course. I want you to make sure that you're charging what you're worth, but it needs to be realistic for where you are. I've seen this actually succeed in many ways, and I've actually seen it fail all 
So people need to be aware of their surroundings, what people are willing to spend, and really, you know, tie into the thought process of your consumer. That's always a good trick and a good tip to really dive into what is my consumer thinking? What are they looking for? And we'll get back to financial forecasting, but I will just kind of go off to the side and tell you that when you're thinking of what your consumers want, you need to think in terms of ease of use. So that is where your point of sale system that I mentioned before for. Oftentimes, companies such as QuickBooks, of course, we use them, they will have a book online feature. You need to make sure this is set up really, really well with categories for your services set up well. The verbiage, the descriptions of service need to be very, very readable. They don't need to have any spelling errors, you know, things like that. You need to pull it up from a consumer-facing standpoint and actually look at it on a computer, like a desktop or a laptop, but then also look at it from a cellular device. Uh, that is typically what people are doing. They're laying in their bed at night, you know, booking appointments with you and they're doing it on their phone. So you need to see, is this easy and make decisions based on that. I do see oftentimes there's a new business that's down the street from my home and you know, I, I like to go get services done too and pretend that I don't do all this for a living oftentimes, you know, and so you know, they didn't even have booking online as an option. And I found that very, very difficult because, you know, I won't ever personally go there if they don't have online booking. It's easy to do it that way. Um, I'm also more than happy to pay a deposit that way if businesses prefer it, you know, and that's just really where a lot of consumers are these days and they want flexibility in their times too. So you want to make sure to definitely uh, make yourself available or make your business available during people's outside time frame. So aesthetics and spa services are not a nine to five thing Monday through Friday. Make sure you have some evening availability happening there. Make sure you have a couple of Saturdays available too, and it needs to be something people can easily book, okay? So don't just close off your evenings and your weekends to private VIP clients unless you're that busy. If you're building your business, you need to make sure it's able to be uh, booked online very easy in those evenings and weekends. And when you do that, I'm telling you, that is a beautiful thing that not a lot of businesses do do these days. I think post-pandemic, everybody's kind of like, okay, well, I want to scale back, right? And you can get to that point, but make sure that when you're opening a spa in 2022 or beyond, that it's focused on those factors, that we care about consumers and their availability, okay? And then once we really build our client base, we can start to kind of focus in on specific times and, you know, scale back a little bit. But when you're building, you can't scale back. You need to scale forward and outward and be available for people when they need you, okay? So that's a big thing and a big trick, I would say. But when you're doing your financial forecasting, it does need to be realistic to your, your menu. So that was definitely getting somewhere there. 
when it's realistic to your menu, it's based on real things that you're doing. And so, for example, if you're doing a luxury facial spa business, I always say, focus it on two of the top facial procedures that you plan to do the most every single day. You know, it's not going to be based on an eyebrow sculpting or an airbrush tan because that is not what you're going to be doing every single day. It needs to be based on real data and real numbers. So that is a big one then you need to make a determination and decision if you're the sole provider that you know we need to decide how many clients you can fit in per day and you can probably change that number when it comes to low-end numbers and calculations versus high-end so i generally recommend something like four to six clients per day you could do four to eight clients per day if you really think you can push yourself to that level you might want to do the numbers on four clients on the low end versus is eight on the high end and somewhere, you know, hopefully fall in the middle, if not closer to the high end forecasting. Once you do that, you need to also determine how many days a week you plan to work. I generally say five days a week is a good number to put in both equations because you never want to you know, I mean, if it's going to be a full-time gig, you never want to shortchange yourself, but you also don't want to work six days a week. I mean, although we oftentimes do those things for your math equations, you want to be a little bit more realistic to a regular work week, which could be five days a week. But if this is a side gig and you're looking to keep another position while you open this business and you're renting something small, you know, you could do three to four days a week. So that is your determination. You'll kind of make that math equation fit for what's going on for you. Then you need to decide how many weeks in a year you plan to work. And I usually say, you know, give yourself some wiggle room about two to three weeks of vacation time. Go ahead and build that in. So instead of multiplying these figures by how many weeks are in a year, you're going to multiply that figure by how many weeks are in a year minus two weeks or minus three weeks, okay? So again, I can send you the examples on this uh, mathematical-wise so that you can see it for yourself because I love equations and I like for people to see real numbers. But that gives you a realistic format. So once you get your annual total, you're then going to actually make a determination about what you're going to split your figures into. So I always say, that you can't ever give yourself 100% of your earnings, you never can do that, okay? You just cannot. You need to put 60% of your earnings back into your business and give 40% to yourself. Or you could even go one step higher. If you have a lot of overhead and you're paying on equipment loans, you could do something like 70% towards your business, 30% for you. But that is a good rule of thumb. If you're a sole provider and you're not hiring employees yet and do this for one to three years. It needs to be based on performance, and that is how we roll in the spa industry. So being based on performance, it totally makes sense that you're going to just simply take a percentage of your earnings. And so you can actually do those equations and multiply that annual total by 40% to get your personal and then by 60% to get your annual figure for your business. Okay. Then you're going to work backwards from there. So we kind of led up to our annual, but now we're breaking it out into different bank accounts, business and personal. Now you need to go backwards. So you're going to take those annual totals and divide them by 12 months to figure out what your budgets are for low-end and high-end in your business and your personal 
bank accounts. You could even multiply, or not multiply, but divide that figure by four weeks, you know, because there's generally four weeks in a month to see how much you would end up paying yourself or how much you would end up, you know, having in your business bank account to meet certain bills that are due or whatever. But generally for business budgeting, I say to really just back that down into a monthly business budget, work off of your low end monthly business budget and you're good to go. And let's say that you run these numbers and your low end business budget for the business, and this is aside from you because you've already paid yourself, so this is good, is going to be something like $3,500 to $4,000 a month. That's actually not a lot in the grand scheme of things. So you would still need to be able to fit your rent, okay, which should not even be um, half of that. It should be actually less than half, truly. And then you can have things like your, you know, um, miscellaneous numbers off to the side. You can have office supply budgets. You can have budgets for your insurance. You can have budgets for your stock, okay? Things like your back bar products that you need to perform services. There's a whole lot. And I love to go over expense lists as well. You can even put money aside for legal fees. You can, of course, have money aside for utilities as necessary, internet and what have you. But things like that. So you need to have this budget off to the side. You pay yourself first, but everything else needs to fit within your low-end business budget and you are a-okay. So with that being said, I will tell you, you can absolutely be a little business boss. There is no way that you can fail unless you don't put in the work, okay? And this ensures that you're good to go, but you have to stick to your guns with budgeting. Numbers are a huge deal. Set your LLC up on the front end successfully with all everything in place, right? And then make sure that you do, like I say, stick to your budget, still be creative in the treatment room, but stick to your numbers because that is how you're going to gain long-term changes. We'll talk about some other things in another episode about how to take some of your earnings and put it aside into money market accounts and different things you can do that way and different investments you can make throughout the year, such as investments in assets. Assets are great on your accounting records and also so our big tax deductions, but we'll save that for the next time. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And for all of you esthetician entrepreneurs out there, you've got this. There's nothing you cannot accomplish unless you, you know, there's just truly nothing you can't accomplish without hard work. I'm telling you, work hard and you've got this. Okay. So from one skin boss to another, I hope you have an amazing, amazing day and I'll see you again. Bye-bye.